Chapter 18 of A Diamond Sky Above Titanic A Good Omens Fan Fiction Written by C. Blue Eyes Read aloud by Sky Simaru. If you enjoy this podfic, you can check out the original story on Archive of Our Own. If you would like to hear more of my recordings or see some of my own work, you can find me through the pen and screen name of Sky Asimaru. A Diamond Sky Above Titanic Chapter 18 The Last Diamond Sky April 15th, 2012 Crowley said he was busy all that week. Something to do with the upcoming Olympics. Asirafel decided he didn't want to know more, but that he would come down as soon as he could. Asirafel told him where to meet, said that he would wait there all night. And so it was that at five o'clock in the morning, on the 15th of April, 2012, a large vintage Bentley rolled to a halt at the docks of Southampton. An elegant figure dressed all in black sprang lithely out, peered down the lamp-lit length of the promenade, then spied his friend, and his friend, sitting on his jacket on the stone path, with his legs hanging over the water, rose to greet him. Crowley, Aziraphale smiled warmly, grasping the demon's hand. He was decades past, consciously refraining from moving to embrace. I'm so glad you could come. Crowley grinned. <laughs> yeah, me too, Angel. It's been a while. They sat down beneath the old-fashioned street lamp, turn of the century, in fact, and were quiet. A little way down the dock, a tall fisherman swung his line out with a soft plop. I trust you know what day it is? The angel asked nonchalantly, after a moment, glancing somewhat tentatively at his companion. Crowley did know. 3D films had, of course, been his idea. He had had a whole team of specialists working on the digital remastering of his Titanic for the past few years in preparation for the re-release. He proudly told the angel so. Aziraphale stared at the little waves slapping the bricks below them. There was barely a ripple out in the center of the port, and the gibbous moon hung small and unembellished in a clear pre-dawn sky. It was as still as it had been a hundred years ago. A hundred years, he murmured aloud. It seems impossible, doesn't it? Crowley set both hands on the cold stone behind him, leaned back on his arms under the lamp's spotlight, 
Beneath the warm circle of artificial brightness, he gave the impression of basking in it. <laughs> oh no, where do the sentries go, eh? Aziraphale was quite suddenly engulfed by a wave of sorrow and the kind of bone-deep tiredness that comes from biting that sorrow for much longer than any human could possibly live through. He stared despondently across the bay. It wasn't quite the Atlantic or even technically a sea, but it was water all the same, and that was enough. Crowley glanced over, then nudged him playfully. <laughs> Cheer up, Angel. Hmm? I know it's bloody depressing, but it was a long time ago. Aziraphale turned his face away. After a few minutes of uncomfortable silence, Crowley spoke up again. So, uh, a hundred years then? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'll drink to that. Seraphel managed a small smile. <laughs> I'm afraid I didn't think to bring anything, my dear. Crowley smiled characteristically like a snake. Two full tulip-shaped glasses filled with wonderfully deep burgundy materialized in his hands. Lucky one of us remembered, eh? Aziraphale accepted his and restrained himself from downing it in one. It was an excellent wine, of course, intoxicating in mere scent alone, wedges of dripping red fruit roasting over an open fire, earthy and sweet, powerful, he tried to remember the last time he had eaten. It's very good, he said eventually, after several more hits of the stuff. Mm. Crowley's glass was already refilling itself. Silence again. For several minutes they sat there, intoxication creeping insidiously through their willing minds. Then, sowing across the dawn, came, of all things, humming. Crowley looked over to Aziraphale, to Aziraphale twirling his glass through his fingers, eyes closed and humming. And Crowley, as he listened, felt his eyes widen and a smile slide wonderfully across his features. He felt far more gratified than was truly called for, and when he spoke, his voice was soft. You saw it. Aziraphale, eyes still closed, nodded. James Horner's love theme ceased as he spoke. I did. He was rewarded with a grin. <laughs> I thought you never would. Only took you fifteen years. The 3D version. Aziraphale nearly laughed, but had to stop and press his aching heart. <laughs> Heavens no. He turned to face his companion. 
but it was the new release. Crowley was nodding now, twisting so they were facing each other. And what did you think? For several moments, longer than the light question required, the angel was silent. It didn't suit him any more, Crowley had increasingly found. This being lost in thought. Once the expression had seemed a Aziraphale's default, a Aziraphale at his most natural, a Aziraphale at his best and happiest. But these days he would only look sad and pained whenever he adopted the once so characteristic expression. Wisdom, it seemed, was less rewarding than it had once been. Finally, Aziraphale found words. He looked out across the still dark bay, and Crowley could almost see the great ship reflected in those eyes once so proudly docked right where they were sitting. It gave me peace, said the angel. Then he sighed, and his true age seemed to cloud his voice, and the weight of the cosmos to settle across his hidden wings. For the first time in a hundred years, I felt peace. Crowley looked at him curiously. Aziraphale looked back. Then he reached out and, ignoring the demon's startled glance, took his hand in his. Their pulses jumped together for different reasons. And for that, my dearest Crowley, for that peace, I thank you. I would like to thank you for everything. Crowley was looking uncomfortable, but he didn't try to retract his hand. Uh, look, Angel, if this is about the deal with the apocalypse, then... In part, perhaps. But then, not really. Not at all, said Aziraphale, his eyes adopting a wide, distant gleam even as they stared fixedly into Crowley's own. Oh, if you only knew, Crowley, what we've been through, he exclaimed suddenly, and Crowley startled slightly at the vehemence in his voice. If only you could know what really happened on this night in 1912. If you could only imagine... Crowley, from behind his glasses, blinked. He was shuffling in unease now, staring at their held hands as though only through imagining hard enough would they be able to be released. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, really not following you here, Aziraphale. But aren't you really? said Aziraphale, a touch of something not dissimilar to mania clouding his voice. I just want you to know that I don't regret a moment of it, of, you know, us. I want you to know that if I could go back in time, right back to the day we boarded that ship, then I wouldn't change a single thing, not one second. 
Crowley stared. He wasn't feeling very well. He felt like... like a duck. Like he was being too inundated with water for it all to flow so easily from his back. He felt like he was being pushed under to somewhere he didn't know or understand. He felt afraid. The deja vu was suffocating. Xerophil, uh, uh, please. Uh. And then suddenly he was being clasped by the shoulder and stared at with such intensity, such tenderness, that for one moment, for the strangest and most unfounded moment, Crowley felt his poor, ignorant, incomplete heart start forward as though unable to resist an irresistible pull. And suddenly, almost involuntarily, Crowley made the decision to stop fighting it. He made the decision to let himself be pulled. And somewhere down the dock, the tall fisherman looked up. Aziraphale's own heart was pounding now, like the downbeat of wings, a frenzy of feathers and frayed sanity, pushing him onwards as though in encouragement towards the words, words suppressed for so long, fermenting in his mouth, dreams crushed and pressed, sealed miserably within a barrel. Further suppression, like salvation, was barely a passing thought, existing only enough for dismissal. Now, I know that explicitly expressing emotions does not come naturally to the British, and I know that I am to blame entirely for that, and thus you must listen to me quite carefully. I'm not sure I could bear to repeat myself. Aziraphale rather formally cleared his throat. <clears throat> he always found himself slipping into the protection of nonchalant formality when at his most vulnerable. Right, here goes. He twisted his hands before settling to brace them on the pavement, and his eyes flicked everywhere before finally meeting the demon's own. Crowley, my dear, I, um... Crowley waited. Aziraphale swallowed and plowed on before he could lose his momentum. His voice quivered. I will... I am quite in love with you. Quite meaning completely, as a matter of fact. In fact, as a matter of fact, I have been in love with you for a rather long time now. And you couldn't not know that, surely. I'm certain you couldn't have forgotten, not entirely. More like it's there, in your head, and you can't remember to remember it. It's not your fault, of course. I think you just need a little help getting there. Zerfell, Crowley began desperately. No, hush. Please, dear, this is terribly hard work. I'm going against my very nature as we speak. You must let me finish. Right, right. Okay. 
The angel pulled in a deep breath into his chest. Where was I? Um, Crowley felt very odd. You were talking about, uh, about love. He blinked, incredulous. You were talking about how you love me. Yes, yes, thank you. Right, well, I love you. I cannot express it any simpler than that. It's all very simple, really, when you think about it. And I never told you enough when I could, and I never told you in Tadfield either, which I really ought to have done. But I shall be damned, my dear, if I have to wait for another apocalypse before I have that chance again. Aziraphale shook his head as though to calm himself. But his eyes were clear now, and his expression calm. Say what you will, Crowley, or don't say what you won't. Just know that I love you, and know that regardless of whatever happens tomorrow, or even millennia from now, I will never be sorry that I love, loved, and... A quick gasp for breath as he tried to coherently order the words, have loved you. Silence. Crowley stared. The fishermen stared. It seemed, fading though they were, that the very stars themselves were staring. Aziraphale went on, lashes bright, eyes shining. I think God, that I love you still, Crowley, even after everything. I thank God for you and for every moment we had together while it lasted, and for 1912 and for Titanic. His voice broke as his tears bled. I thank God for everything, Crowley, but most of all, most of all, I thank him for love. I thank him for love. He finished, and there was total quiet, total stillness. Somewhere on the very edge of the horizon, the lightest touch of pink began to seep into the Southampton skyline. Many, many miles away, unnoticed by the whole world, a nightingale began to sing in London's Berkeley Square. And, halfway down the dock, the fishermen knew it was time. Crowley shuffled awkwardly where he sat. He was at a loss for words, at a loss for everything. What did the angel expect him to say to this odd outburst anyway? He supposed he should say something generically comforting, maybe pat him on the shoulder, a hug even. Odd, though, his brow furrowed. The only thing he could focus on in his mind was a song. Aziraphale had his head in his hands. Crowley stared at the angel. Was he weeping? It was hard to tell. 
If he was, then that might explain why the unfamiliar tune in his head was fighting so hard to be unleashed, to sound across the morning. Angelic tears were such cursed things. But no, the song he knew was not sin and it was not from a twisted metaphysical principle that the urge to unleash it came. It was not an involuntary need. It was a desire. He wanted to hum. He swallowed audibly. His mouth felt so terribly dry. It wasn't even the most hummable song. Perhaps he was just being stupid? Perhaps he should just keep quiet and pat his angel on the shoulder and manifest more wine and... and... Softly, very softly, Crowley began to hum. It was a strange tune, a melody that had not been heard on earth for more than a hundred years. It was wavering and insidious, slinky and crafty. The silence between the notes was music itself. It would flicker and undulate, spiral around for a few sets of chords, then stop, short, completely, dangerously unpredictable, before starting up again, that same swaying pattern. That song violins and bodrin drums, and alien pipes and spoons. How did he know that? A nameless, wordless song. Everyone had been so happy, so hopeful. They were clapping their hands. Long skirts flowed around the women. The children had bright, overtired eyes. The men were ruddy-faced and grinning from ear to ear. How did he know that? When was this? What was this? Slowly, Aziraphale lifted his head from his hands. Crowley, meanwhile, continued to hum, more to himself now each note revealing more and more as it flowed through his mind, igniting everything it touched, weaving it through the air in a thousand colors, elucidating every shadow and every secret, every unlamented sorrow. Memories, that's what they were as though from a dream, only not a dream, not at all, but a forgotten reality. They were memories, and they were twirling through his mind in a slow, graceful dance, orbiting one another and shining like stars. It was the song, the music, pulling him blindly by the hand towards a blurred light that was growing ever brighter. He saw Victorian grandeur and calm seas and dazzling diamond skies. 
he saw a dance floor lit by bare bulbs, and a violin on his arm, and a whole world of music and emotions condensed by the power of two worn old bows to intoxicate a party of delighted mortals in patched-up clothes and sleeves out at their elbows. He saw a dawn and slippery bedsheets and dimmed resplendent afternoon light and feathers touching the elegantly embellished ceiling and a face, a face with soft curves and full lips and a dimpled smile. A face with eyes bluer than that ocean behind endearing little glasses, and crowned by a wicker of golden curls that shone like ethereal flame. And they had soared, soared together in perfect harmony. They were a symphony of two, joined as one, two halves of a whole that ached with loss on separation. They had been one, and they had been whole, and they had been separated by a tragedy, a tragedy within a tragedy, a death without death, and now a hundred years had gone by. A seraphel was staring at him. He was staring at Crowley as though for the first time in more than a century which was fair enough. Crowley, staring back at the angel with huge eyes, trailed off. Southampton itself seemed to ache in the absence of his song. He could barely breathe. Seraphel? He hardly dared to whisper the name. Aziraphale opened that soft, rosy mouth of his ever so slightly to inhale. His whole body was perfectly still, his eyes wide. He was a boy with a butterfly net holding the rarest of all on his finger. Watching him, Crowley had the fleeting thought that perhaps this was how he appeared to the angel himself. Too frightened to move, terrified for this not to be real, terrified to be woken up from this impossible dream. Aziraphale nodded, almost imperceptibly, and gentle, warm light flooded into the demon's eyes as his sunglasses dissolved, and with them yet another barrier within his mind. The barrier before another dawn so long ago, a dawn that had welcomed an altogether different kind of revelation. Or perhaps it was the very same, revealing itself once more. He was suddenly acutely aware of how the street lamp behind his angel's head redundant now in the pinkish glow of the coming sun, seemed to light him from the inside, sort of in the same way in which a flare had done on this same night a whole impossible century ago. And yet more barriers were burned. 
a seraphel whispered through a smile that trembled in a voice as lovely and enchanting as daybreak as soft as a breeze my dear it wasn't a question but there was an imploring note to it inquiring they had been here before crowley tried to form words on his lips and couldn't there were no words on earth he could use maybe none in heaven a hand came up his and touched that face with fingertips that quivered in their disbelief aziraphale brought up his own hand to touch his crowley could feel a smile beneath his touch a smile as tentative yet serene as the one they had shared on that first morning on the bow after the irish party when they had both known to reach in at that moment and change their lives forever and they had changed their lives forever crowley knew then crowley could see enough to know with all his heart crowley's lips parted he knew his line by god literally he knew his line and he had waited long enough to say it my angel they were leaning in they were closing the space between them and then they were clasped to each other in an embrace so tight that all the breath escaped their bodies and they were kissing it was like falling no like falling like being blinded by momentum and deafened by momentousness and spiraling down and down deeper into chaos it was like falling without the pain or regret like falling up perhaps or if neither heaven nor hell would take them then they would fall sideways instead and make their own world for themselves their lips crushed the ripe disused curves of each other's together enough to bleed enough for the necessity of breath to be forgotten it was as though nothing had changed like they would look up and see glittering chandeliers or elegantly embellished ceilings or a hazy gray dawn that unfolded across the silent atlantic their hands were all over each other crowley running his fingers through that hair that soft soft mass of fragranced hair the cassia the eden and aziraphale touching that face that face so smooth so angular so familiar and cherished and perfectly sculpted insatiable ineffable incredulous the world spinning around so vehemently that if they let go of their hold they might just be sent hurtling into the cosmos to keep their watchful stars company it was as though the last century had never passed they were together again they were always going to be together nothing could keep them apart 
neither heaven nor hell, the Metatron nor Beelzebub, Asmodeus, the Lethe, the metaphysics behind good and evil, neither God nor Lucifer. A hundred years had gone by, and here they were, holding each other on the docks of Southampton, where it had all begun. They could feel their tears running together down their joined cheeks together as one flow, Crowley's prickling, soothed by the balm of the angel's sweet nectar. They kissed, and they kissed, and they clung to each other as one. They wove their very souls into their embrace, flowing through the other, pure and pure united. Finally, finally united as one. They were one. Finally, after all this time, broken and apart and incomplete, their halves were together. Finally, they were whole, pulling back to stare into each other's eyes, sharing their disbelief, their devotion, their destined love. They're everything. They knew this. This was destined. It was, in fact, thought God, smiling to himself, ineffable. And it was theirs. He and Aziraphale, he and Crowley, they belonged completely to each other. They belonged together. They drew apart, repositioned themselves enough to lay their heads down on the other's shoulder. Their arms sealed them together. Behind them, across the glittering waters, the glowing crest of a white sun was beginning to rise. The angel and the demon stayed that way, holding each other, their very souls in the hands of the other. They could have stayed like that for millennia to come. Clouds were rolling in, dark, gray, and heavy. They were moving faster than the wind. Beneath the embracing lovers, the ground started to quake ever so slightly. Crowley and Aziraphale pulled apart reluctantly. Aziraphale sighed in resignation as lightning flashed far in the distance. Oh, I suppose it was to be expected, really, he said softly. Crowley met his eyes and gave him a wry smile. <laughs> I guess we've really pissed off the big boys this time. Aziraphale returned the smile. <laughs> I suppose we have. They pulled themselves into a standing position, not letting go of each other's hands, never letting go of each other's hands. In front of them, beneath the rapidly lowering sky, the bay was beginning to spiral into a whirlpool. Who do you reckon it'll be? asked Crowley nonchalantly, gazing into the eye of the whirl. Aziraphale didn't pretend to misunderstand. He shrugged. 
Most likely the Metatron for me. After all, it was him I specifically disobeyed. Perhaps Beelzebub for you? I don't know, said Crowley, as the last clear spot in the sky was eclipsed. I wouldn't put it past the old Prince of Darkness himself to pay us a visit, since, if you think about it, Beelzebub failed the first time, didn't he? Thunder rumbled high above them, deep within its thick mantle of slate black, fighting to break through. I suppose, murmured Aziraphale. Their hands tightened their hold. More thunder came, louder this time, already barely trailing behind its lightning counterpart. <laughs> Says something about the mercies of heaven and hell, doesn't it? said Crowley musingly after a moment, as a tumbleweed of corrugated iron zipped past. I exist in blissful, bloody ignorance for a hundred years, and you go through what you did, watching me swan around, oblivious. He shot his lover a quick look. I really am sorry about that. It does rather explain why you've seemed even more... Uh, oversensitive than usual. Aziraphale smiled. He smiled so hard his body felt incapable of fear. <laughs> you have nothing to apologize for at all, and you know that. Crowley beamed. <laughs> oh, good. I was only being polite. I figured a redundant apology was the cliched thing to say. His angel chuckled. Then? <laughs> Do you still want to know what my name means, by the way? Crowley glanced sharply at him in surprise. He wasn't sure he had heard right. How do you know about that? Aziraphale turned to face him. He gave the demon a small, sad smile. I never left you that night, my dear, he said. Not really. Crowley stared at him. Uh, you mean you weren't really... Oh, no, I was good and dead, the angel informed him cheerfully, then raised his voice over another peal of thunder that seemed to shake the whole world. I just mean that I sort of um, hung around for a little while after, until you were rescued. Lightning tore the sky, as dark as night now, momentarily in two, holding the world in total shadowless illumination for one brief half-second. The thunder that followed this time was ear-shattering, uninhibited by miles of cloud cover now, and the air crackled with static. Aziraphale waited for relative quiet to resume before continuing. It comes from Raphael, he said casually, staring out across the turbulent water. You know, the healer? In front of them, little yachts and dinghies began to orbit the eye of the whirlpool, caught like toy boats around the plug of a bathtub. 
Aziraphale turned his head to face him. I am Aziraphale. His gaze fell down, suddenly self-conscious. The Redeemer. Crowley cocked his head curiously. You imagine I'll be redeemed for this, Aziraphale? Aziraphale met his gaze. He smiled sadly again, then shrugged, as though accepting and then dismissing his regrets. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I am made to fall. Crowley squeezed his hand. I think it's beautiful, Angel, he hissed as the street lamp above them and all the others along the seafront flickered. Hell of a lot cooler than Star of God. It really suits you. Aziraphale beamed. Thank you, my dear. That means a lot to me. Crowley grinned, then leaned in to briefly peck him on the cheek. Aziraphale turned his head so that their lips met once more, and for a few precious seconds they kissed for the last time. They pulled back, eyes lingering. In front of them, the black sky looked almost to be unfolding itself, as though heralding an arrival. Crowley, facing the sea, squeezed Aziraphale's hand. Then he swallowed, and when he spoke, his voice was light and casual. <clears throat> Love you, angel. He felt pressure in his palm as Aziraphale squeezed back. Out of the corner of his eye, Crowley saw the angel's smiling lips as he whispered his reply. Love you too, my dear. Across the horizon, their own personal apocalypse continued. Lightning was now a permanent feature. Brilliant white and brilliant orange, forking in every direction and from every direction. The thunder was a constant throb in their ears, the wind whipping at their hair and clothes. The churning clouds looked thick enough for a knife to cut. Behind them, as the sky continued to split and the sea continued to boil, every light in Southampton went out, and Crowley and Aziraphale, one angel and one demon, two lovers against all of heaven and hell, stood their ground, held their hands, spread their wings, and quietly awaited their destiny. The End Thank you for reading. Please drop by the archive and let the author know what you thought of their work.